0: The challenge with going too broad is that your positioning will again be watered down. You need to look at all of the the niches within the niches to see if there's something there for you to be able to really use positioning, language, and messaging that signals that, hey, we're truly a specialist in this exclusive niche.
1: Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners, welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are welcoming back Corey Quinn, Corey is the former CMO of Scorpion and now a dedicated agency coach. Corey specializes in guiding agency founders to scale with vertical market specialization. At Scorpion, he played a pivotal role in growing the agency's revenue eight times in five years to a remarkable $150 million. He's also the author of Anyone, Not Everyone, a comprehensive guide for agency founders looking to move beyond founder-led sales. Corey, welcome back to the program, man. Brent, super
0: excited to be here. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, likewise. Um, well, I guess I'm not on your podcast right now, but you know, anyways.
0: <laughs> we should remedy that.
1: Yeah. It's like it's like when you're at the air, airport, you know, they're like, have a good flight. You're like, you too. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, it didn't work. Um Ooh, anyways, yes. man. Welcome back. Yes. So, so it, you're it
0: sticks it sticks with you. But yes, go
1: ahead. You're you're beating the big the good drum of vertical specialization, helping agencies scale. Um I know you've got a. You mentioned a, a new book, forthcoming book.
0: Yes, depending um, on when this uh, this airs, it will be launching in March. So we're recording now. I guess in January, so it's not yet out. It's so close to being out, but yeah, it will be. Uh, we'll be launching it in March, and I cannot wait.
1: Yeah, what's what's the problem you feel like you're solving right now? <laughs>
0: so the the specific problem that I'm solving is this idea of agencies that are really passionate about scaling and growing to be, you know uh, eight nine figure uh, agencies, uh, potentially, uh, but they're just stuck in this concept of this this reality of of founder-led sales. And this book um was driven from my experience. I've got about seventeen years in the agency space, and I'll tell you the first, two years where before sorry the first two roles i had in the agency space were very different from scorpion I'll, I'll i'll elaborate on that because i think it's instrumental into you know what's driving my passion behind you know writing this book and wanting to wanting to you know share this this uh this formula this process with everyone so my my first role my first agency role was i left um a a career in finance behind me And I went and got my, my MBA at USC and I decided to get into digital marketing. And actually I was a sales guy for an agency that was founded by the, um, a Harvard Business School MBA graduate. And if you're familiar with Harvard Business School, it's a very kind of, uh, it's a great school. It also has a really solid network of people who graduated and who share business back and forth. And ultimately, this agency was very successful based on this founder's amazing network, right? Mm. And so what it meant for us in the sales team is that we got these amazing leads, these very warm leads that were direct relationships to the CEO. You know, people at companies like... Lululemon and Remax and Hyundai and and all these amazing brands that we were able to bring in and close as clients. Again, exclusively based on this guy's network. After about six years of working there, I left and I went to another agency that was founded by the ex-CEO of MySpace. Uh, and that's, yes, that MySpace, right? And the the way that MySpace makes a lot of their money is from advertisers. So of course, he had an amazing Rolodex of advertisers that he put us on the sales team directly in, in touch with that helped us to grow that agency. And by the time I was sort of there for a while, I'd been in the agency space, let's say about eight years, I came to realize or came to believe at that point that the way that the agency grows is you have a charismatic, charismatic, very connected founder who goes out and generates leads, and the sales team may close them or meet the the, sale, the the founder may close them. And you know, sure, we and the sales team we would try doing cold calls or we'd hire a third party sort of you know lead gen company to help us kind of supplement the whatever the founder brought in. But inevitably, we always went back to that because that was, frankly, what was working. It wasn't until I was recruited to go work over at Scorpion. I was their first marketing hire. They're focused on helping the agency to grow. And what I what I found when I when I got there is that they had this, you know, a six-person sales team that would take these inbound phone calls. And the uh, you know, more often than not, the phone call would come in, the salesperson would close them on the first call, like a one-call close. They'd hang up the phone. They do high fives all around. They hit the gong and it was just a really great kind of sales environment. Right. The thing that was interesting about that though, was, because, was that the attorney it was mostly attorneys that Scorpion targeted and worked with. The attorney didn't know who the founder of Scorpion was, nor did they care. They had no interest. That wasn't part of the, of the screening process. What they cared about was working with an agency who understood the nuances of. What it's like to be an attorney? What it's like to what it takes to be able to grow a law firm? They were you know these attorneys were interested in uh, working with a specialist who had both empathy as well as evidence that they could solve their unique and specific problems. The the conversation of a founder never came up, and so this was very different experience for me. And of course, we took this idea of a vertical expertise. And we we grew that in the legal vertical. We we went into home services, as we were just talking about before we hit record. We went into franchise and so on and so forth. And since I've left Scorpion back in the end of 2021, I've I have since worked with agency owners. I've re, I've interviewed dozens of agency owners who have taken a vertical market approach and are either have recently either sold their agency a very nice multiple and they're living very comfortably, or they're enjoying the benefits and the freedoms of working at an agency that they built that is very process-driven, has great word of mouth, and basically operates on its own. They can be much more of the the leader and the visionary behind the brand. And so I personally am motivated and driven to help those agency owners who want to create that, that freedom in their life. Uh, and we want to create scale in how they, how they build the sort of the processes and the operations by taking a vertical market approach. It's not the only way to be successful. There's other ways to grow an agency. Uh, there's other ways to specialize. But when it comes to focusing on a vertical market, that's where I really want to help agencies to, uh, to do that successfully and uh, gracefully. In fact, I'm on a mission now. I'm on a mission to help a thousand agencies escape founder led sales in this next year. That's, that's what my focus is.
1: Very cool, and, I, and I, I'm a big fan of of people, you know, niching down and getting clear on like who they serve and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I guess what what I see a lot of times, mm-hmm. and I hope maybe you've got good insight on this, right? But please, yeah. um, I mean, agency owners they struggle with that whole decision, like the decision paradox of like I'm going to make the wrong decision, I'm going to choose the wrong market or maybe they have a business that's already, you know, it's kind of generalized They're serving a bunch of different markets for them to start focusing on a niche that might mean that they're giving up something maybe in the short term, like long term, systems, Mm -hmm. scale, that kind of stuff. But I guess for those agencies that are just thinking about it or maybe have tried it in the past and it hasn't worked, um, how, how do you help them kind of get started down that path?
0: Well, I think a couple of points as relates to that. So typically choosing to specialize comes after unfortunately a lot of pain because you know when you specialize you're effectively narrowing your target market you're taking things away potentially meaning uh, potential business you have to start saying no to business people who want to hand you a check that doesn't align with your sort of the future vision of the vertical you want to build or you want to become an expert in you have to say no to that and that's really hard to do but it's almost like the pain of being a generalist and having the you know, watered down marketing uh, and positioning and, you know, selling an undifferentiated commoditized product and just all of the operational challenges that come with serving businesses of all shapes and sizes. You kind of, what I find is that the ones who are ready to go and ready to make this change... They've, they've really tried everything a couple of times.
1: <laughs> they've, they, they've gone into the valley of, of death for generalists, right? They, yeah. They've gone there and they've come back. They have, they have a clear why on why maybe they, they believe yeah. that doesn't work anymore. And I think
0: that, I think that intellectually we could talk about, yeah, when you specialize, you could charge higher prices and you can, you can scale and you have better valuations and potentially grow faster. All those things are available. But at the end of the day, it still feels. Like you are somehow taking something away and just human beings are not good at, you know, coping with, you know, uh, agreeing or going along with with less.
1: Yeah. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash Cloudways or use promo code D-A-S-C-W when signing up. Let's get back to our show. I mean, the fear of loss, I mean, you look at people Mm -hmm. that like, even just looking at like financial, like stock market stuff, like people, like if they lose a thousand dollars, it's way more painful than the pleasure that they get from gaining a thousand dollars. Like I I read one time, it was like, you have to, you have to get twice as much gain to get like this, like the opposite, like the the, the positivity or the pleasure from it than, than the loss you
0: might get. Yeah. And that's playing, that's playing in, in this, 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 this situation as well. I mean, agency founders are business owners and they, in many cases, have payroll and they've got, they've got to, uh, they got a lot of responsibilities and they really want to do whatever it takes to make this thing work. And so there's, there's some, some dynamics that have, that go into this decision, but, but I think there is, um, there is hope. I mean, I really wrote this book based on the the concept that it's actually not, not that difficult to do. And my my hope is that this book is a good roadmap for people to follow that will get them to the results they're looking for. And so some of the things we talk about and, and some of the uh the tools in the book, we start with this idea of finding a best fit client or a best fit vertical. And there's a way to do that through the steps in the book. But effectively, it's looking at the data and looking at the qualitative, you know, uh, experience of which vertical do we like working with? Typically, these are agencies who have been in the business for a little bit. Maybe they're at a million dollars. They have some reps. They've, uh, they've won some clients. They've lost some clients. So they have some understanding, uh, intuitively and with data on like what, what, what are they, um, what, what do they truly, uh, enjoy doing? What are they good at? What does the market want? And, um, another thing I talk about in the book as it relates to this, and I think it's important is that you can't just have sort of the market data. Like, yeah, there's enough attorneys to focus on and you can't just have a strategy like, yeah, we're going to do all these tactics in order to win win the vertical or win all these clients. But what I find again and again, those agencies that are really growing quickly are incorporating or they have something different or in addition to those two, uh, which is they actually care. They actually have a level of care, not just for their clients, but the industry that they're focused on, right? Right. Like for instance, there is a, as a uh, someone I, I included in my book, Luke Eggbrodt. Uh, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Is his, his agency is called Phaser Marketing, and what's different about him? He targets you know, construction businesses as a digital marketing agency. And what's different about him and his approach uh, is that he believes his point of view and in his sort of reason uh, for existence is helping to improve the the perception of the trades, right? Today, people are not going into the trades as much as they used to. And so part of his, part of his business is helping to raise that. And the way he does that is he, he has a charity. He gives away, he has a foundation. He gives away money to kids who are leaving or graduating high school and going into the trades. And he's really supporting the whole industry. And as a result of that, if you are going to work with an agency that uh, you're a construction business, and you're going to work with an agency you're you're probably going to be more inclined to work with an agency that actually cares about the industry that you work for and is doing things to help it make it make it a better industry
1: yeah that's cool so so having some mm-hmm. care for i guess so looking at some clients that maybe you are serving right now and seeing if there's opportunity there, I mean, a question I get asked all the time, like, you know, what, what are the good niches, right? What are the best verticals? What are the best industries, right? It's a, I, I find it's a hard question to, you know, it's one of those things where I always follow it up with like a question. Like somebody asked me a question, then I asked them a question. But I mean, are you, are there certain qualities or indicators uh, of, of certain markets that you know, like, okay, this, this type of thing is, is what you want to look for?
0: Yeah, you definitely want to validate the market is ver- viable. Let's say when choosing this 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 vertical, because you're going to effectively, as, as a result of this process, you're going to you know, put a lot of time and resources behind it. So yes, absolutely. Some of the things that that you look for, and I have a checklist in the uh, in the book, but some of the big things are number one: what is the average revenue per business in that vertical? Not the highest, not the lowest, but on average, what does a typical business in that vertical make? And I'll give you an example. Um, the number I typically look at is: Are they making? Is the average business making more than a million dollars? And why a million dollars makes sense is that a typical company spends round numbers. You know, back of the back of the napkin math: ten percent of their of their revenue on marketing. So if they're doing a million dollars, ten percent of that's a hundred thousand a year on marketing. If you divide that by twelve. Right, uh, all of a sudden you have eight thousand three hundred and thirty three dollars per month, and is that going to be a good client for you as an agency? On average, the ones that are you know paying you eight thousand three hundred thirty three dollars who want website SEO, social media PPC, paid social, you know, video, TikTok videos, so on and so forth. Like, what is the, what is the typical business in this vertical? What can they afford? Cause what you want to, you, you definitely want to avoid those, those verticals where on average people are making less than what they could typically afford what you want to charge. Right. So that's a big, that's a big one. And you can find that data fairly readily online. I have a couple of tools that, that I like to use, but it's fairly easy to get kind of a, a rough sketch of what that number looks like. There are things like, um, does the, the industry, is it large enough to have a couple of, associations. Associations are kind of a gathering spot of the people in that vertical. It's a great place to get involved and to to build relationships and to build trust. You need to make sure that the vertical is large enough that it has an association that you can begin to align with. Uh, and there's others in the book, but those are a couple of the big ones.
1: Very cool. I like that um, average of at least a million. Yeah. Because, you know, there's people that go after like, I want to work with like... Women-owned businesses that are bootstrap yeah. solo yeah. founders or whatever. Right. And I'm like, right. I'm like, I love it. This is the people that you want to help. But like, you know, that might not be a market that people want to spend fifty grand for a website, right? They're exactly bootstrap. They're, bootstrapped, they're um you know first time entrepreneurs they're startups you know they they don't have investors right like there's not a lot of good good um indicators there of, of proof of revenue so <laughs>
0: that's that's true and this came up with one of my clients who was really passionate about the mold remediation uh, industry which is a sub industry of um restoration and whatnot but if you look at just the mold remediation companies they don't make a lot, of, unfortunately, on it, based on the data, they don't make that much money. And it turned out that it was not a vertical that they, despite the fact that they cared about that industry, they're very environmentally friendly agency, it didn't make sense for them to, to use that as a primary focus for their agency going forward.
1: Are there, um, so you mentioned some tools to help identify like revenue, yeah. In terms of, I mean, I wouldn't have thought like mold remediation, but again, I, I've never had a mold remediation client, right? <laughs> like, I, I know that businesses like that exist, but yeah. It, and sometimes I'll I'll be talking to people where they're like, oh well, I look at my current clients. There's nobody that you know. There's no industries that really jump out at me like people that I want to work with, mm-hmm. right? So they want to get inspired yeah. through other types of businesses. How how do you approach that? Like looking outside of
0: the things that you have direct experience with. Yeah. Well, so what's interesting is that, not in every case, but many cases, the founder already knows who they want to target. It's just that we need to validate that that market is big enough. Now, in the case, like you said, then it really becomes a process of looking at the size of the total addressable market, right? So, it you know... If, one example might be: Well, this person may be a big sports enthusiast, and gosh, being able to work with like sports arenas all around the U.S. could be really interesting. But once you look into the data, there's just not that many of them to to, to justify, and they don't have that much spend in aggregate, based on you know assumptions that it makes sense to get behind. So at that point, you really need to dig into your client data and take a look and try and find winners uh, and potential winners that you could go deeper into the data the market data the addressable market data and you again you're looking for the total number of businesses and then you're looking for the average revenue per business what what i the another rule of thumb as it relates to the number of businesses is that i take sort of a conservative approach where you take all of the businesses that are in that market and you do a pareto a pareto principle right 80 20 you say 20% of that market so you, should, you just cut off 80% say that's not going to be a fit. I'm going to focus on the 20% and then in 3 years as a result of focusing in and becoming a specialist and positioning ourselves and going to the conferences and this, and getting involved with the associations and really becoming a big player in the space we're going to get 3% of the 20%. And if that if that number of that revenue number for your agency is exciting to the the founder then it's likely you you have a, a good potential vertical market to pursue
1: very cool so so yeah. 3% of the 20 yeah and uh, and if that's exciting we're good if it's not yeah. exciting then yeah
0: exciting we'll move on
1: yeah when, when is it too big right cuz i mean sometimes i'll be like oh what what market do you want to focus on so it'll be like oh i want to do e-commerce and i'm like okay yeah. oh my goodness
0: yes yes. small business well, well part of part of this strategy i i don't think of it ex- exclusively as a sales and marketing strategy but it definitely has a positioning element to it right we are the TikTok agency for dentists, right? That's super position, super niche, right? When you get into a very big market like healthcare or medical or even dentists, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dentists. What you're trying to do from a positioning perspective and ultimately a whole business sort of strategy and product perspective is being able to solve difficult problems for a specific audience. And so the challenge with going too broad is that your positioning will again be watered down. Yeah, yeah dentists, but what if you're a periodontist, right? And you're looking for someone who know, understands my flavor of dentistry, right? So you're, you need to look at all of the the, the, the niches within the niches to see if there's something there for you to be able to really hone in on allowing you to again use positioning language and, and messaging that signals that, Hey, we're truly a specialist in this, this exclusive niche. Very cool. So once you've like
1: once you've gotten some clarity, maybe maybe I mean, let's say I'm I'm an agency, uh, and I have two or three like hunches. Like, okay, I want to go. Maybe, maybe we go this way. Maybe we go this way. <laughs> Is it something that I should just pick one and focus? Should I flip a coin? Should I try to do them both at the same time?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the saying? You chase two rabbits, catch none. Um, so. With the book comes a workbook and then there's, uh, it's, a, it's a Google sheet where there's a calculator where you score all of these different dimensions that we've, talk, we've talked about a couple. And as a result of that, that will give you sort of a total score that again, like you, you the one vertical may score higher than the other and you may end up choosing the other anyways because you want to. But, but ultimately, you know, that, that's a way to look at it from a data perspective. All else being equal, how do these two score against each other? And that in itself is a data point for you to make a decision. Obviously, there's no guarantees in life, but the important thing is that the founder is juiced. They are excited about it. They see the future of their their agency and they see themselves being able to reach the goals that they started this whole agency out for um by pursuing this. that's that's a big part of it
1: and I like that you mentioned there's there's no guarantees because i th-
0: I think it's just
1: <laughs> it's funny, man. like and we help we've helped a lot of people like get clear on their market and their niche and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. and I think sometimes people are looking for that, you know, that, guar- like, that guarantee. And, and you'll, we'll see two agencies, you know, comparable offerings go after the same market. Yes. One of them will be on the phone with me like, oh, this market sucks. It's terrible. These people like, don't <laughs> spend any money. And like three hours later, yeah. I'll be talking to somebody doing 3 million a year off of that same market. And you're like, yeah. hmm, okay. You know, just...
0: yeah. I- and I think that ties kind of interestingly back to the POV, sort of the um, the care piece, which goes to this idea of having a point of view. This, mm. you know, Luke's agency, Phaser Marketing, they have a point of view about home services. And his point of view is that home services are being overlooked as a viable career path. And we're going to fix that. Right. Mm. Other agencies who are competing for the same business, who aren't saying the same things, don't have the same POV. And POV be- actually becomes part of your positioning. It's easy for one agency to say, you know, to have a very similar agency, sorry, similar positioning as another agency. Uh, that's very interchangeable. Like, you know, there's only so many things you can position on and differentiate on. And so what separately separates you kind of creates a moat around your agency is your unique point of view. And it has to be true. It has to be authentic and driven by the founder's passion. But once you have that, that's something interesting for the buyer to lean into that's, that's different than everything else they're hearing in the marketplace.
1: Hey, agency owners. Are you looking for a strategic and reliable white-label partner to scale your agency business? E2M is the number one white-label partner for digital agencies when it comes to website design, web development, e-commerce, SEO, and content writing. E2M is trusted by over 150 agency partners and has been providing white-label services for the last 10 years. Their team has over 170 experts and is on a mission to help 500 agencies increase their revenue and profit margins with impactful white-label services. Check out their transparent and flexible white-label pricing at e2msolutions.com forward slash uGurus. That's www.e2msolutions.com forward slash uGurus. E2M is currently running a special discount for ten percent off for your first three months. Check it out now; it's available for a limited time. Corey, I love it. I'm pumped for your book, man. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like buyer number one. Okay. You you got a couple minutes for our lightning round? Let's go. And I'll I'll compare your answers to uh, the last time you did it. Okay. uh, Yes. we'll, we'll, We'll start off here with what is the best advice you've ever received.
0: Ah, good question. Um the best advice I've recently received is that in this concept of you you have this Pareto uh Pareto principle in life and in work and business and family and 80% of the results come from 20% of the efforts to use that model on who's, you know, this concept of who not how. Like I'm going to I'm going to launch a podcast. Well, it's not like how do I do that? It's like who can I bring into my life? Well, as I'm growing my business and I'm I'm launching my book. I'm looking for what I call 20% who's those those elite who's who can really help me to elevate myself. So, it's been a big filter for me to when I'm when I'm trying to surround myself with people like who's, people who've maybe achieved the outcomes I'm looking to achieve. Like who are the 20% who's who are doing amazing stuff that I could really uh try and you know get get with uh you know, con- you know contribute to and, and help them so that I get an opportunity to learn from them.
1: Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success?
0: I would say uh, definitely in the last couple of years, every weekend, writing, uh, write, doing a process where I look back on the week and I compare the week to my goals, both my weekly goals, my monthly goals, and my annual goals. I, I, I write down what I committed to, what I did what the gaps were, what the course correction is. And then I recommit myself to the week, uh, the following week going forward.
1: Your first, uh, your first answer last year was uh, listening to your gut was your advice. And your your (laughs) habit was your daily work out staying healthy fit. Is there a tool that you've been using lately that you think our
0: listeners should check out? I love the remarkable tablet. Uh, This is kind of like an iPad where you can write on an iPad with a pen but this is different because it feels like paper and I and I tried doing the iPad a lot with the pen to take notes and never got got you know never stuck. This thing actually works. It feels like paper and the best thing is that I write it once it's on my computer, I can convert it to text and it's much more practical and use, uh, useful.
1: And what book besides your own would you recommend for our listeners?
0: 10x is easier than 2x. It's the idea that when you go for impossible goals, you narrow the the thing that you need to get right. And that's usually a good thing for us entrepreneurs.
1: Very cool. Well, we will link out to 10x is easier than 2x. I recently saw a new team member on the YouGurus team using a Remarkable tablet. I was curious. I sat there uh-huh. writing on my iPad. I like they were, it. They were sketched on the Remarkable. So we'll link out to that. I've seen those around for a while. Uh, we'll link out to Remarkable. We'll also link out to Uh, your website, your book, all that good stuff on our show notes. Check it out, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, you'll see Corey's picture right up at the top. We'll also link out to his other interview that we had, which was episode 297. So we'll link out to that as well to get some more if you're, you're digging Corey's stuff and you want to learn more about him. Corey, is there anything that you have for
0: our folks to check out today? check out with regard to uh, myself yeah. i would i would just say uh, the number one way to get more of this type of thinking is to join my daily newsletter i send it out 5 days a week it's a 1 minute tip on how to become a vertical market specialist you can go that you can get there by going to coryqueen.com/newsletter
1: very cool we will also add that link to Brent. those show notes as well. So if you like Corey's content, become a super fan, join his daily newsletter, all that good stuff, go to yougurus.com forward slash podcast. And we'll, uh, depending on when this is released, we will uh, we will link to the book or we'll link to the, the pre-sales, whatever we have from ben. Corey uh, and his team. We'll make sure that that's there for you.
0: Corey, thanks so much for stopping by the program today. Thank you, Brent. It's been an honor and uh, I'm a big fan of yours. So, Thanks for letting me come on. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this week's
1: episode of The Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. we put together an agency accelerator package for agency owners and growing freelancers looking to scale. We've got all kinds of free resources like the 39 Lead Gen Strategies Checklist, our $20,000 website proposal template, live trainings hosted by yours truly, free access to our community group, and much, much more. Get access now and dive in at yougurus.com forward slash agency. That's yougurus.com forward slash agency.